Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. electronically or in paper form, open them and find your way to the book of Haggai. This is our theme for the month. Not many people know where Haggai is. That's okay. Use your table of contents or if you have one of those app, you can just go up to the top and kind of go to the beginning that says Genesis and kind of scroll down and it'll probably be a abbreviated H-A-G, Hag. Uh, so go ahead and open there. We're going to start right at the first chapter. Haggai chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 15 verses. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. Zerubbabel. Do we still name kids that? We should. It's a strong name. Uh, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the house of the Lord, the temple, remains a ruin or desolate? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never enough. You drink, but never your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, I turned, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men or cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared or were in awe and reverence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. This is the word of God 
for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Well, it is Father's Day. And it is, for me, personally, fun to be a father. It's fun to be a dad. Um, I enjoy it, and I'm so glad that my boy is here today. He finally got his vaccinations and all those things, and can venture out a little bit. The boys next door, they, they finished their two weeks after their second shot Saturday. And so, for the first time, there was a reunion of basketball playing, and badminton playing, and hanging out in the backyard. And it was just fun as a dad to get to watch that. Being a dad, uh, if you remember this, if you're a dad or if you're just a parent or, or you just have a nephew or niece you like to hang out with or you're a teacher and you just love kids, there's something fun when you're a dad. And that first time when Jackson was born while we were over in Northern Ireland, uh, I had to go back to work, but he was so young and so cute and so, you know, fit right here. Now he doesn't fit right here. But there was just something that I just wanted to be with him. I just remember, you walk home. I walked home. I had a couple mile walk to get to and from work. If it was raining, we took the bus. But you just wanted to get home quicker. Walked a little bit quicker so you could pick him up and just hold him and be in his presence. And it's one of those things that doesn't really change. I remember as a young dad when we were first moving here and talking with Steve Lyle out in the lobby. I don't know if you remember this, Steve, but talking about parenting. And Steve gave me this great wisdom, I think, that every season has great joy. It just gets better and better. I think sometimes we we get a little nervous about the teenage years and all that kind of stuff. But to just hear encouragement, it gets better and better. And I'll say, Steve, you're right. Of course there are challenges. There were challenges when he was four months old, and there are challenges now that he's almost 13. But it gets better and better. And one of the ways that I enjoy that is just being with him. Being in the presence. I hope that you had a dad or someone in your life, a parent, a mom or a dad, or someone that just loved being with you. And you can look to them and say, that, that was a great example. Maybe they were someone who taught you something. Something about how the world kind of works. I remember one time Jackson's grandfather, uh, Lori's dad, was trying to teach Jackson kind of how money worked. And so gave him, I think it was four quarters. And Jackson was young. He was probably six or seven. He was really excited. He wanted to see all the things that were on the quarters. He's a very observant kid. And his grandpa said, now Jackson, I've got a deal for you here. If you will let me hold these four quarters for the evening until tomorrow... I'll give you back these four quarters and a nickel. See his eyes light up. (laughs) But that means I have to give the quarters back. Yes, that's right. He's trying to teach him how 
money worked, how things were supposed to work, how, how that, that goes in, in that direction. Of course, when you're parenting, uh, when you're a dad, there are times when you have to show kind of the negative consequences of how things work. If you've been a dad or you've been around kids, how many of you have ever seen one of your kids or your grandkids leave one of the toys that you know that they love and they left it in the backyard or they left it in the middle of the hallway or whatever and you do one of those parenting things where you just go and you pick it up and you put it away somewhere that it's unseen. Have you guys done that? Anybody done that? You guys online? Any parents done that? You just kind of put it away. Part of it is you you don't want to step on it. Part of it is you're trying to teach them a negative consequence of leaving something. And then they come to you and they're like, I've lost that toy. And you have to say to them, well, I'm sorry you left it out. So that toy is gone for today. We'll get it back tomorrow. This is how we can do that. Okay. And you might hold them in part of that. Maybe they, they get really upset and then you have to move into that role of a parent of comforting. Drawing them up and saying, I'm sorry. Tomorrow it, it will be better, but let's go find something else to do or play together. You guys have been there, right? You've, you've, you've seen this happen somewhere. And sometimes as a parent, we also have to give courage to our kids. To let them know it's okay to go do something. That it's okay to try something and fail. That it's okay to, to get out there. I'll, I'll never forget, right back here, we were living in the parsonage and Jackson was learning to ride his bike without the training wheels. And he was just a little nervous about, uh, you know, how to stop and then get your feet down before the bike falls over. And, and so he would, he would go and it was time to stop and he would start trying the brakes, you know, those reverse brakes, you know, you have to go backwards on your pedals and it kind of stops. But then he would take his feet off and kind of try and drag them along. And so I, I began to try, how can I help him here? How can I give him the courage to do this? And I'll never forget, we went over into the ball field, so it was grass and it was soft and, uh, held onto the back of the bike seat. And I just said, okay, Jackson, we're just going to try and balance. For just a second. I'm going to hold on. You get your feet on the pedals. He, he did. And then I let go. And he balanced a little bit. I said, okay, now put your feet down. And he did. And that was all it took. From there, he had the courage. He knew he could come to a complete stop balancing and then get his feet down. It is fun being your dad, kiddo. In all of those seasons, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, when we come to this passage, I think it's so fun that this passage happened on Father's Day. You'd think I planned it that way. Because when we begin to look at this passage of Scripture, we begin to see this very parental, fatherly, good fatherly figure that God presents through the prophet Haggai to the people of Israel. I told you last week that this was a transition time for the people of Israel. There had become, they had, had been conquered by Babylon. They had been hauled into captivity in Babylon. And many, many years later, a new power arose. The kingdom of Persia arose. And they conquered Babylon. And the first king uh, said that those captive Jews could go back 
to Jerusalem and begin to rebuild. And they did. And they began to build the walls. If you want to read that, you can read about Ezra and Nehemiah. And they built the temple mound. They got the the foundation of the temple laid. But then there were all kinds of things, upheavals, back and forth, and it just laid in ruin. And now a new king has come to power. We hear about it. Darius, right there in the first. And it's there that The word of God comes through Haggai to the people. And he begins to remind them some of these very parental things about the God that they serve. And the first thing they see, and you're going to see that all of our attributes today start with the letter C. Just easy for you to remember. It's also easier for me to remember. And what he begins to do, and we see this in verse 7 and verse 8, He begins to describe the character of God. Let me read that for you. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This is Haggai saying this. Give careful thought to your ways. How many of you have ever said that to your kid or a kid? (laughs) Give careful thought to your ways. (laughs) Go up into the mountain and bring down timber. Build a house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. At first, this sounds like very demanding. I mean, like, which one of us tells our kids, go up in the mountain, cut down some timber, and come back and bring me, build me a house? It'd be awesome if they did that. But there's something more that's going on that describes the character of this God. This is not just about God demanding a house. This is about God describing God's character and the God that, that, that had called the people of Israel out of slavery, we see from the very beginning of Scripture, is a God who longs to live among the people. And to be present in their midst. This is not a God like the Greeks who just you know, got everything started and then ventures off into some other universe. This is a God who created all there was and created you and me, human beings, in His image so that He could partner with us in the care of all the creation. If you want to read about that, go back to Genesis chapter 1. And then in Genesis it says that God walked with Adam and Eve, our first parents, in the cool of the evening in the garden. Ours is a God who longs to partner with and be among people. And when people decided, no, we're going to do this on our own, and we're going to, we're going to take that fruit that you told us not to, because we want to make the decisions, God. And everything changed. We see a God whose character does not change. He still longs to be among human beings and to partner with them in all that they're doing. And so, He calls a little family, the family of Abraham. And we can read all about that story in Genesis as well. And this family ends up in slavery, but this God whose character longs to just be among His people, He rescues them with great effort out of slavery in Egypt. That's the story of the Red Sea and the parting, and they go out into the wilderness. And then this God wants them. He wants to come down and be in their midst. But He knows that that's a little dangerous and so he creates and has them he gives very specific instructions at the end of exodus 
so that they know exactly how to construct the place where God will come and dwell among them. And he tells them very, they set all of this up and we see at the very end of Exodus, I used this as a devotional for our board this past week. We see at the very end of Exodus that Moses follows all those instructions and God's presence comes into the tabernacle. And then God's presence is so incredible. Moses can't even go into the temple. Can't even go into the tabernacle. God, why did you have us do all of this? And so then God says, okay, if we're going to do this together, my my character is to live among you. If we're going to do this together, then I've got to give you some things that make it good for us to live together. That's the whole book of Leviticus. And there's some pretty strange things in there, but we find in the very first chapter where it says at the end of Exodus, God spoke to Moses from the tent. You go through Leviticus and you get to the first verse of the book of Numbers and it says, and Moses, or God spoke to Moses in the tent. It worked. God is so concerned about being among people and being among the ones He has called to partner with that He would give detailed instruction for that to happen. And we can't go through the whole rest of the history, but it's pretty fascinating. There were highs and lows in this God among the people. And eventually, it wound up that the people had rejected God being among them. And so God goes ahead of them into exile. Ezekiel the prophet shows this. And they spent that time in Babylon. And now they've come back. And they've got the foundation laid. But everything still sits in ruin. But what is our God's character? He longs to be where? Among the people. With us. And so he's willing to come down and say, remember the character of who I am. I want to be among you. And so go up and get timber and bring it down and build the house up so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Now, taking pleasure in it? Yes. Wow. They did something so that I could be in their midst, so that my character can be on display among them as a God who is with his people. That other part where I'll be honored uses two forms of a Hebrew word. Are you ready for your Hebrew lesson for today? It uses two forms of the word kavod. Can we say that word together? Kavod. Ready? One, two, three. Kavod. One more time. Ready? One, two, three. Kavod. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Kavod. I don't have a slide, but if you want to spell it, it's K-A-V-O-D. You can go ahead and look at that. And he uses that word twice. That I might kavod, kavodah. Kavod has this connotation, yes, of glory or honor or reverence. That there would be a place that's there for God who is among his people. Yes, to be pleased that we would take time to build a place where he could show his character and be among us. But also that there would be a place where we could honor him and he could be honored. But when that is used together, kavod, kavodah, it, it brings in a lot more. Because the kavod is also significant in that it shows the presence of God. 
And the presence of God is very weighty. So it also has this connotation of there's a heavy sense of presence of God. And that causes some of the honor. But it goes even further because kavod is also connected to armament. My boy is really into tanks right now. So kavod, armament, that this is a shield, a thick, heavy, weighty shield. If you were like the children of Israel back in then, that day, wouldn't you want a God to show a character that could be honored, but that also protects and shields, and you can see presence right there? Well, we've got to move on. Because what God does then is show them what's going on in the covenant. He shows the covenant, not only his character, but he brings their attention back to the covenant. Verses 5 and 6 show us this. He says, again, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but never enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, but put them in a purse with holes in it. This is almost directly quoting, or it's summarizing Deuteronomy chapter 28. Where God says, if we're going to do this thing together, where I'm going to be in your midst and all of this, there are some positive things that will happen. And you will eat your fill. The crops will do well. Uh, All of these things will happen. I will be in your midst. My kavod will be there. And if you don't, then goes on and says the opposite of all those things. Your fields won't produce the way they're supposed to. They might produce a little, but not enough. And so on and so forth, all the way down. So God not only draws attention to his character through the prophet Haggai, but he also teaches them, reminds them again of that covenant. This is how things are supposed to work. Or this is how they will work best. Just like Jackson learning about money. That if you are going to be my people and I'm going to be in your midst, when I am in your midst, this is how things will work best. Then that leads on to correction in verses 2 and 3 and verses 9 through 11. I I won't take time to read all of that. But I found this very interesting in verses 9 through 11. I want to read that to you if my contacts will cooperate. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord? Because of my house, which remains a ruin. While each of you is busy with your own house, therefore, because... Of you the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crop. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, whatever the ground produces, on men, cattle, and on labor, the labor of your hand. Why is that interesting to me? Because the word, and I'm not going to teach you, it's a bit of a tongue twister, but the word for desolate, my house is desolate, is the same word for the drought. God uses that to say, when there's not space for me to be among you, when that space is desolate, it has ramifications that spill over into your real life. And that desolation, that dryness, that things being blown away, just seem to begin to take place. Because the goal is for you to live in covenant, which means that I have a place, a specific place that you have created to live among you for blessing. So there is not just the character and the covenant, but there's correction. 
And we see that this does get people motivated. You see that Zerubbabel and Jehozadak and Joshua, they, they get stirred up. And the people get stirred up. And they want to do this. They want to listen to this preacher, Haggai. And then what does Haggai do? Just like a good dad. In the midst of correction, in the midst of showing how things are supposed to be, or how they work the best, he brings word of comfort. This isn't just Haggai preaching. I mean, it says right there in verse 13 that he gave the message of the Lord to the people. And this was our message last week. I, say it with me, I am with you. So Haggai not only shows God's character, renews the covenant with them, reminds them of the covenant, and brings the correction of God into their life, but he also brings comfort. If you today are looking around and you you see, maybe first you see the ramifications that it seems like that poem describes your life. That you have food, but it's not filling you up. You have drink, but it's not filling you. You have clothes, but they're not keeping you warm. You work and work and work and you earn wages and it just seems like it goes in your purse and right out the other side. That maybe that should be a clue to you and to me. Is there a place? Is God at the center? Is God dwelling in my life? That might be a good thing. And maybe that's why we need to hear the comforting message in the midst of all of this, that God is with us. And that does something in the hearts of the people that they couldn't stir up in themselves. Isn't this interesting? After the character covenant correction, uh, it says that the people were stirred up. They stirred themselves up. But when the message of comfort comes, something different happens. Look there in verse 14. So then, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they began the work. In other words... When God's character is revealed and the covenant is reminded of and there's correction and then the comfort comes, it gives the courage that parents often have to give to their kids to move into the fullness of the way things are supposed to work best. And they begin to do that. My friends, on this Father's Day, dads in particular, How is this hitting you? Did you need to be reminded of God's character? That we serve a God who's not content to live at the far margins of life, out in some distant universe, only ready to zap you when you get in trouble. We serve a God whose character is He likes to move in. And we see this in Jesus and we celebrate it every Christmas when we say, and the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, tabernacled among us. Shows the character of our God. Did you need to hear that today? Did you need to be reminded of that 
today? Are you looking around and seeing the desolation of your life? Can I use the words of the prophet Haggai to say, consider your ways carefully. Has there been a space that you have constructed in your heart or in your home or in your place of employment or kids in your schools or in your family where you have set aside space for this God who longs to come in and be pleased and this God who longs to bring His glory, His presence, His kavod into the midst of those circumstances for blessing to live in your midst. Did you need to be reminded, is there a place that you have been building for this God who wants to be in your midst? Do you need comfort this morning? Do you need to be reminded that this God who longs to be with you, is in fact here and present. And did you need courage? Do you need courage now to move into what God calls you and says is best? Do you need some courage? Well, the good news is today, You don't have to go into the mountains because we'd have to find some here in Michigan. And you don't have to cut down timber to build a place for God's glory to reside. You see, God took it upon Himself. And God took the beams of wood on His own shoulders up to the mountain. And there He gave His one and only Son. That you would know that He's a God who longs to be in your life and in your presence. And He is a God who longs to give blessing to you. And He's a God who is willing, He loves you so much, He's willing to correct and encourage. And even in the midst of correction, give you comfort and courage. And He died there for you and for me. And his desire today is that you would open the tabernacle, the temple of your heart and begin to let that build a place for him to be in your midst. That's good news, my friends. And so on this Father's Day, can I remind you, I hope I have, of the character of our good Father of the way the world works best when He is near. That you've received some correction and comfort and courage. Would you open your heart now to this God who longs to live in you? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Good Father, the Father of Jesus, we pray to You And we're grateful for your character. We're grateful that you're willing to teach us the ways, the wisdom of life. It's hard to receive your correction. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters the way I prayed this week. Oh God, correct me and comfort me. If I am hypersensitive to correction, bring that extra comfort. 
If I tend to rely too much on comfort, help me to lean in and hear the hard words that are spoken with love that I might live with you in me. Give me the courage, even right now, to say to you, I open my life to you, to your character, to your covenant, to your wisdom, to your correction. God, help us this day, not to just celebrate our fathers, but to worship you, a good father who loves us and longs to be in our midst. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I know it's Father's Day. I know we're right up on time. And I know you want to get home or out to your meals. But I'm just feeling like maybe there is someone who needs a little courage this morning or a little comfort, needs some correction, and most of all, you need some prayer. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me right where you are. Online, you can do this as well. Father, help me not to leave the place you long to live as a desolate place. My life is described in Haggai's preaching. I open my heart to You and in Jesus' name I invite You in. Teach me Your ways. Correct me. Comfort me. And give me courage. And I pray this in Your Son's name. With your heads bowed, your eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you let me know by raising your hand? I want to be praying for you and celebrating with you this day. This Father's Day is a good day, good reminder that you have a good Father. You can put your hands down. If you're online, um, email me. It's on the website. I want to celebrate with you. Make sure you have a place of connection. We pray and ask all of these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who created space for you and for me and opens and tears down the dividing wall between us and God and us and each other. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, would you stand and would you receive the final blessing? You online stand in your living rooms or wherever you are and receive this blessing. And now, may you experience the good news of God is with us. May you receive God's wisdom that encourages you to live into the blessing that God holds for you. May you receive His correction and very quickly hear His words of comfort. And may you have the courage to live in His love every moment of every day. For I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. God bless you as you go. 
live in His peace and in His strength this week. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.